Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. I don't know about you, but when this time of year comes and it starts to get under, you know, 80 degrees, I am all about the fall food. Like Thanksgiving's approaching, just give me all the carbs, give me all the fun, delicious fall food. And and there's something about when you start to smell that just that one meal that really just like gets you going. I don't know, maybe it's when you drive past your favorite steakhouse and you're just like you can smell that just mm, it just gets your appetite going or maybe you're like passing by Chick-fil-A and you're thinking I could really use a number 1 with a lemonade right now. You know what I'm saying? But uh, for me, for me, the, the, the meal, that, the way that happens to me is when I arrive at my mother-in-law's house. Brad's mom is full-blooded Italian, and the woman can legitimately cook her face off. Like, it doesn't matter what's in the cupboards. She just needs 20 minutes, and, like, this amazing meal is in front of you. And I love even more than when we just arrive at her house when she invites me to cook the meal with her because that is so much fun. I'm not the greatest cook and I love the opportunity to just make it with her and just be a part of the process and tasting it is so much better. And when I thought about this weekend's message, the Lord gave me this picture of you're not coming to receive a meal today. In fact, he's calling us all to be part of the process of making it. So it's going to require something from you. I'm asking you right Right now to lean in because I believe God has something for you, but you're going to be part of the process. So there's going to be some participatory moments, um, but let's lean into them because I think God wants to do something great in our time together today. And the title of this weekend's message is what happens when we worship. And worship is so fundamental to who we are. It is the reason that we were created. Before you were a doctor or a realtor or whatever it is that you do, a mom, whatever your job is on a day-to-day basis, you were created to be a worshiper first and foremost. It is hardwired in who we are from the very beginning and is our greatest and highest calling. Jesus said this in Matthew 22, 37. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We were created for relationship. And our worship to God is our connection to him. And the reality is this, God doesn't need our worship. He didn't create these beings to tell him how awesome he is because he actually feels good about himself when we worship. He created us with a need to worship. He doesn't need our worship, but we need to worship. It's how we were created. It's how we were wired. And what we need to know as we begin to tackle this subject is first have a better understanding of what worship is because it is not the portion of our services that we come together and sing songs, though that is worship. It's not necessarily just coming into this building on the weekend. That is worship. But all of life is worship. All of our life, our choices. When you walk out of these doors at the end of um, the service and you talk with your spouse and your kids and how you live your life and how you literally respond to who God is, that is our worship. Um, I love in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And I believe as we talk through this message, we'll see that worship is everything. 
And what we worship and what we were designed to worship is a person and it's God. But it's easy and possible for us to live this life and worship other things. And what you need to know from the very beginning is what we worship becomes our source. So write that down. What we worship becomes our source. Worship is simply our response to who God is, our spirit, soul, and body response to who he is. And that English word worship literally came from the word worth-ship. It's ascribing worth or value to something. And when we talk about it in terms of worshiping God, that means that we ascribe the highest worth and the highest value to the supreme being in the universe, and that is who he is. God doesn't change based on our worship. That is who he is. But when we worship, we acknowledge that God is our source. However, because we are wired to worship, it's possible to allow other things to take that place in our life. It's possible to ascribe worth and value to other things. Psalms 29.1.2 says to this, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, giving him ultimate worth, ultimate place, putting him where he belongs in our life. That is our worship to him. It's our response to who he is. And what we worship, what we put in that place, becomes our source. And you look back all the way to the garden and you see Adam and Eve, and they walked in perfect union with God, and he was their ultimate source. And the enemy's trick from the very beginning was to come in and to change that. And so he presented them with another source. You can have knowledge and be like God without him being your source. And that's the choice they made. And in that moment, they literally unhooked from God being their ultimate source and went their own way. Because we are wired to worship and we will worship, we will have a source, but if we're not careful, we can unhook from God as our ultimate source of power and life and joy and setting him where he belongs and we can attach it to other things. Think about the children of Israel. They were just like barely out of Egypt. Moses led them through the Red Sea. It actually parted. They walked across on dry land. I mean, nothing short of miracle after miracle after miracle happened to get them out of slavery. And they're just barely in the wilderness. Moses goes up to the mountain to talk to God, and they're like, "Uh, you're taking too long, Moses. And they make Aaron make them a golden calf to worship because they they were so wired to worship, they had to find something to worship. And Exodus 32, 1, it says this, when the people of Israel saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to that fellow Moses who brought us down here from the land of, I'm like, just five minutes ago, he led you across a river and it parted, but now you just can't even hang because you have to have something to worship. And we can laugh at them, but think about us. There are so many things that come into our life that vie for our attention. Money, status, culture, all clamoring for us to look to it. And if we ascribe worth and value in those scenarios, they can become our source. And it could be a lot of different things, but ultimately it really boils down usually to four of these basic things that we put in God's place. Number one, comfort. We want to feel good. We want pleasure. We want things that are good, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. It can come down to comfort. And we can ascribe so much value and so much worth to the things that we want. They can really be things that we worship, and then they become our source. The second is approval. 
We want people to want us. We want to be liked. We want to be seen. We want to be noticed. And we can put so much value on that and place so much worth on that that we are literally worshiping the approval of man. And the third one is power. We want to have influence. We want to have power. And so we can put so much, um, whether it's a title or the different things we seek to have that, we literally begin to worship. And the last one is control. And all the control freaks were like, this is where we worship having a plan and knowing the outcome. And we can put so much value on that plan that when that plan starts to change, we freak out because we're literally worshiping our plan. Whatever we look to and ascribe the highest value to becomes our source. It's our object of our worship. And the problem is that when God is not in his proper place, nothing works right. Nothing. Things are harder. Life hurts more. Everything's heavier when God is not in his proper place in our life, and he is not the ultimate source of our worship. Earlier this summer, we um, moved. Highly recommend moving. It's not stressful at all. Uh, But I remember it had been like weeks and months of just total upheaval, and we finally get into this new house, and I'm just so exhausted that I I just didn't put all the boxes away. I should have done it while I had the momentum, but there were several weeks went by, a month went by, and I'm like still trying to find my left shoe when I'm getting ready for work, and I don't know where the coffee pods are. And finally, Brad and I looked at each other, and we're like, this isn't working. It's harder than it needs to be. It's a struggle. Why? Because nothing was in its proper place. And when we don't have God in the place that he is designed to be in our lives, the highest highest power, the highest authority, our ultimate source, worshiping him, nothing else works right. And so in our time together today, here's what we're going to do. Okay, this is where you come in. I'm going to pass you the knife. You're going to start chopping. I want you to take a deep breath. I can't hear you. One more. And I want you to be present in this moment because God is here. He's here in this place. And we're going to take some time to really not just wait till we leave to go home and reflect on the message and ask these questions, but we're going to do it now. And we're going to begin to just let him speak in this moment, okay? And so I want you to set your heart to really be here because God is here and he's speaking to you in your situation right here, right now. And I want you to write in your notes or take out your phone, however you want to do it. When I worship God with my whole being, B-E-I-N-G, not being, uh, when I worship God with my whole being, I make God my ultimate source. When I worship God with my whole being, I make God my ultimate source. And so as we continue on through some points that I want to share with you today, I want you to, we're going to have time to pause. There's going to be some time to reflect. And so I want you to just set your heart to do that because this is our worship. This is our response to the word of God and the truth of God and the nature of God and the presence of God that is here right now. So I want you to prepare your hearts for that. And... um, be present in this. And so the first thing that happens when we worship, when God is our ultimate source and he's in his proper place, is that we see him more clearly. I don't know about you, but circumstances in life have a way of trying to make themselves big, right? 
problems that come our way, financial struggle, relationship struggle, office drama, whatever it is, it could be one big thing, it could be a million little things, but they have a way of just kind of gaining momentum and asking for our attention and asking for our focus until we give so much worth and so much value to them that they literally become our source our circumstances, maybe it's the words that have been spoken over you or, or the, the, the situation that just keeps, how's this gonna work out? How's this gonna work out? Why is this happening? Why? These circumstances come until they're so big, they seem impossible. Jesus said they look like a mountain. I don't know if you've ever faced any mountains, but I know I have. But here's what we need to know. When we worship God, when we magnify him with our mouth in our situations, when we declare it and we focus our attention and we place him in his proper place, those things get eclipsed by who he is. He's massive. Do you realize that God sits above it all? Like, but do you realize that? He sits above our culture. And some of us are so scared by what we see, we give it so much attention, so much worth, we're worshiping what's going on rather than letting, knowing our God sits high above culture. He sits high above politics. He sits high above anything that you're facing today. He is above it all. That's who our God is. And sometimes we are going to face situations and when they get loud, we need to be louder declaring who God is out of our mouth. If you have to go to the bathroom at the office and just be like, God, you're big. You're bigger than my mean old boss. You're bigger than this situation. I don't care, but we have to do something to say, I'm attaching significance and worth to this, and I need to shift my perspective and put God in his place. And when we do that, everything gets better. And so I want us to do that right now. We're gonna hear a passage in Isaiah, and I want you to just, again, take a deep breath. And listen to these words because this is who God is. This, what I'm about to read, is who our God is. Isaiah 40:18 says this. <clears throat> to whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold or overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, asks the Holy One. Look up to the heavens. Who created all those stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. This is who God is in our lives. In the situations and the circumstances that you are facing today, he's bigger. So much bigger. This is the God who said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Right where you are in the middle of everything you're facing, he is with you. And so as we take this moment, I want you to take out your notes and I'm going to give you some space. 
But I want you to begin to write out the circumstances that are yelling at you, the ones that are trying to get big in your life. Just take a moment. I'm going to step back, and Aaron's going to continue to play. But I want you to let God speak to you right now because there are some things that are vying for your attention, and I believe God wants to speak to those. So write them out. paper, what I want you to do is I want you to begin to declare through your words on your notes or wherever you're writing it down who God is in that situation. If it's a financial situation, I want you to declare him as your provider. It's a healing. Is he your healer? I want you to remind yourself what he did in scripture, the miracles that he did. If you have to write down, well, you parted the waters, you healed the lepers, write it down. But even better, can you recall the things that he's done in your life? Write down the times that you thought, I'm not, I wouldn't make it out of this situation, but God made a way. I didn't think this was going to come through, but God stepped in. I didn't know that if I would be healed, but God came in and healed, restored, set me free from addiction. Whatever it is, take some time to list it out right now and watch what happens when you make God bigger. picture of there are people in here that you're just exhausted from the circumstances in your life just being so loud maybe you're laying in bed at night just calculating math in your head like how am I going to make the money from this week last until the next paycheck because you've just been figuring 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 and and that has taken so much of your attention and so much of your focus and God is just stepping in saying hey put that attention on me I'm making a way I'm over it all. You know, tomorrow I'm already there. I know how it's going to work out. And I believe there's maybe some of you saying, how did I get in the middle of this situation? And God's saying, I'm here in the middle of it with you. You're not in over your head. I'm with you. I'm with you. God is so big. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that there's nothing too big for him? He is stronger. So we have to first see him for who he is and worship, putting him in his proper place allows him to do that, allows him to be seen for who he is. He doesn't change, but our perception of him changes. And the second thing is that we see ourselves more clearly. 
we see ourselves more clearly. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to make things about me sometimes. Am I the only one? I am? Okay, that's fine. I'll just preach to myself right now. But it's so easy for us to make life about us, whether it's the ways we're getting it right or the ways we're getting it wrong. But it is easy for us to step in and take our attention and focus on what's happening with um, my strengths and my gifts and my calling. And in doing it, those questions, we can get so, so taken by those and so much attention. We literally are making it about us. We're taking the place that God should be put in. And for some of us, it's, we're taking, we're recalling and bringing to remembrance the things we got wrong. Like, I failed here. I failed in business. I failed in marriage. I failed in this situation. I walked through this, and I can't get over it, and I can't make it happen, and I can't do this. And we get so focused on what we're capable of doing or incapable of doing, we're putting our attention and our worth and our value and our focus on us. We're making it about us. It happens so easily we don't even know it because we can be doing the right behaviors and look really great on the outside and still be operating in our own strength. And when we do that, God is not in his place. We are. We become our source and we're literally worshiping ourselves, which is another fun word for that called pride. And in pride... We put, God in a, we put ourselves in a place that God belongs. And the beautiful, amazing thing about worship is that it humbles us. When we put God in his place and we see him clearly, we are able to see how small we are. How small our accomplishments are, how small our failures are, and every single one of them pale in comparison to who he is. If our worship doesn't actually leave us completely and totally humbled, I don't think it's worship. This is by very nature of putting him and magnifying him, you gotta go, I am small. This actually, this whole thing, it's not about me. I can't mess it up, I can't fix it. On my very best day, when everything's going right, the Bible says I can get about as good as filthy rags in my own righteousness. But it's so easy to start to think, I'm doing this. I'm making this happen. My obedience, my lack of obedience, all of these things, and we put so much worth and so much value. We take ourselves and we put ourselves in a place that was meant for worship of God alone. He has all power. He has all authority. Do we work with him? Absolutely. Does he have a calling for our lives? Totally. But guess what? He doesn't need us to accomplish anything on this earth. He does not need us, and yet he wants us. He invites us in, and he invites us to be in him, in him. Not out here on our own as our source of strength. Him being that picture of the vine that Jesus talked about as the source of our strength, the source of our power, the source of our goodness, the source of our righteousness, the source of it all. And from that flows to us the branches out here. When we're in him, we can do everything he's called us to do because we're in him. John 15, 5, Jesus says this, Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Say nothing. Nothing. 
Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Worship humbles us. It lets us see ourselves clearly. Some of us are, are inserting ourselves where we don't need to be with our own strength and our own performance and our own power. And some of us are actually disqualifying ourselves. I can't do that. I can't do that because of this. I can't do that because I walk through this. I can't do that because I have this label or that label. And Jesus is saying, in me, you can do everything you need to do. But stay in me. That's where the magic happens. Not magic. You get it. Whatever. Uh, Andrew Murray said this, and I love it. It says, here's the path to the higher life. Down, lower down. Just as water always seeks and fills the lowest place. So the moment God finds men and women abased and empty, his glory and his power flow in to exalt and bless. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for our purpose, that we would accomplish our purpose, not because insecurity tells us to rise up, but because humility tells us to go down and see ourselves clearly exactly the way God sees us, which is in him. And I want to read you this passage out of Colossians, and it's beautiful, and and I want you to hear it to find your place in him. I want you to listen and reflect. This is who we are in him. This is who we are in light of who he is. It's Colossians 1:15 and it says this. We look at this son Jesus and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and in- invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds his purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes it and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end from the beginning to the end he's there towering far above everything and everyone so spacious so roomy that everything of god finds its proper place in him without crowding not only that but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe the people and things animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. When God is put in his rightful place, we find our place in him, and we can see ourselves more clearly. And worship puts him in his rightful place. And so in your notes right now, we're gonna take another moment. What I'm gonna ask you to do is this. I want you to take a few moments to think about the areas of your life that you might possibly be making it about you. Where you're putting too much weight in your ability and your strength or you're disqualifying yourself. But just take a moment to write that down.
Is there any area that you're just kind of taking it on your own, in your own strength? And then I want you to begin to transition and start reminding yourself of who God is. Is he your righteousness? Is he your strength? Is he your provider? He is those things. You're not the provider of your household. He is. You're not the maker of your destiny. He is. Start to declare with your words. Write them down because I want you to be able to go back to this. Who is he in relation to you? in light of him and we can see ourselves more clearly and it is a beautiful beautiful thing to be in him the third thing that happens when God is in his proper place and he is our ultimate source and he is the one we worship is this he shows up he doesn't actually technically show up because he's always there but he reveals himself in the situations and the circumstances of our lives We give him space, and he steps in. In Acts chapter 16, there's a story of Paul and Silas, and they are out spreading the good news about Jesus as the Messiah, and they find themselves thrown into prison. And they're locked up behind bars, and if they were like you or I, they might have been trying to figure out how to plan their escape. Like, how am I going to get out of here? What guard do I have to bribe? Who's going to come put up bail for me? Like, what is my plan? But not Paul and Silas. Acts 16.25 says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. When we worship God and we put him in a situation that could have been loud and scary and frustrating and made itself seem impossible, they worshiped God. They put him in his place. They declared him as the ultimate source, the one who was going to make a way, and he was sitting above it all. And as they did that, he stepped in, an earthquake came, and the solution was right there in front of them. God made a way. And when we put God in his rightful place, we give space for him to work in the things that we've been so hard trying on our own to make happen. I remember when my oldest son was just a little guy. He, he was playing in his room, having a good old time, and he, I came in, and I don't know what caused me to be such a mean mom that day, but I saw the mess, and I was overwhelmed by the mess, and I said, Tyler! You start cleaning this. This is too messy. Clean it up. I walked out of the room, and he was like, Mom is mad. I'm So he starts cleaning. He's just so little, a little guy. And he comes out just a few moments later, and he has these big crocodile tears, and he looks up at me, and he's like, Mom, I can't. It is too messy. And I looked at him like the good mother that I am, and I said, Tyler Cole Larson. 
who made that mess? Did mommy make that mess? And he said, no, mommy. I said, you made that mess. You go clean it up. I sent him back into his room, and I'm like, I'm such a good mom. In that moment, God arrested in my heart. He said, messes? Too big of messes to clean up? And I was reminded so instantly in that moment that there was a time and a season in my life when my mess was so bad and so ugly and so overwhelming, I thought, I have no way out of this mess. And it came because I had literally made myself the source of it all. I was so determined to do the right thing and to look right on the outside that I was trying to fix all my messes in my own strength. And it looked holy and pretty on the outside, but my source was not God. He was not in the rightful place. And and it caused just devastation in our finances. I had secret thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of debt that nobody knew about. Caused this whole wicked mess. And I remember feeling so trapped and like I've literally single-handedly destroyed my life. My marriage is probably over. All of these things, just I've done this. I've made this mess because I was my source. I've seen what can happen on my worst day and it is ugly. But in that moment, I saw so clearly where I had been the source of it all and I made a decision to put God back in the place that he deserved in my life. And I was like, I don't know what to do, God. I have ruined it all, but I know you're big. And I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna invite you in and I'm gonna take my hands off of this steering wheel because it turns out I'm not a very good driver. And it turns out you're actually the world's greatest driver and you know the way I have no idea what I'm doing. And when I began to put God in his rightful place in my life through worship, making him the source of it all once again, he cleaned up a mess with the expertise of one who knows how to clean up messes. And I'm here to tell you today that he does that for every single one of us. And when we worship him by declaring who he is, but also with our words and with our lives, letting him be put in the highest place in our life with our choices, with every part of us, our response to who he is, he is that good that he steps in to the middle of our shrapnel and he starts to place it back together. And God redeems all things, all things. I'm living proof of that, and you are too. Because even while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. And so we have a God who is close, who is near, who wants to come in the places where you've tried to handle it on your own, or if you let circumstances or pain come in and be your source, and you've looked to them, and you've been overwhelmed by them, he says, let me in. Your worship gives me space to come in. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.